Welcome to Open Your Eyes, a podcast about empowering each of us with the perspective and tools to grow and change. Thanks for joining us. I hope you're having a great day. Our mission here at Open Your Eyes is to help all of us open our eyes a bit more to the possibilities and realities all around us. And each week, we try to bring messages that will help you in real and practical ways to live a happier life. So today, wherever you are as you listen to this podcast, I hope you get a new perspective of how you can think and live better. And if this podcast inspires you a bit, please share it with a friend. That's how we can fulfill our mission a bit more to more people. So let's get started. Today, I'd like to talk about writing the rest of your story. Now, I don't know if you've ever jumped out of an airplane, but free falling through the air is ranked as one of the top 10 adventures in a lifetime. When you jump from a plane, how fast you fall is a function of two things, body weight and wind resistance. And if you minimize wind resistance and position yourself in a head down position as you free fall, you'll likely reach speeds of 240 miles per hour. That's faster than an Indy 500 race car. And if you fall belly down with your arms outstretched, you actually slow your fall speed to around 120 miles per hour. To fall this fast for a period of time is a nightmare for some, and for others, it's a rush. And despite tens of thousands of people skydiving last year, there were only 13 deaths from skydiving jumps. 20-year-old Emma Carey is known as the girl who fell from the sky. Emma was so excited to leave her home in Australia for a three-month trip to Europe. And she had all sorts of bucket list-worthy things planned for the trip, including doing a skydiving experience over the Alps in Switzerland. Now, she was a bit of an adrenaline junkie. So she wasn't nervous at all when the plane took them high into the sky and the time to the jump from the plane came about. She volunteered to be the first to jump with her instructor strapped to her back. Now, the first few seconds after the jump were exhilarating. They were falling fast and she felt the speed and the massive pull to the earth, something she'd never felt before. And the jump was everything she thought it would be. But after a while, she noticed the parachute hadn't opened up. They hadn't slowed down. So she called out to the instructor behind her and yelled, what's going on? There was no answer but the wind screaming in her ears. So she assumed he could hear her and thought to herself, well, he knows what he's doing. Everything must be okay. But they kept falling and plunging straight down at high speed. And there was still no sign of slowing down. Why isn't he answering me, she thought. When she maneuvered to turn herself around to look at the instructor, what she saw sent a shockwave through her. Everything had gone terribly wrong. What she realized is that both the parachute and the reserve chute had been deployed. Both were tangled and had collapsed, and they were not slowing their descent at all. The emergency chute was actually the parachute from her backpack, and when it was deployed, the cords had become tangled and wrapped around the instructor's neck and had strangled him unconscious. Emma panicked. She didn't know what to do. She couldn't turn herself around to help her instructor, and she couldn't get the parachutes to expand, and she couldn't extricate herself from the situation, and they were falling really 
really fast. As she had time to collect her thoughts, she realized she was about to die, and she started analyzing the situation. They were falling so fast. Could it be possible to survive the landing? She thought, I really don't want to die. And then she had a moment of calm. She later said, until that moment, I'd never really appreciated my life. I had just taken it for granted. She said when she had this thought, everything slowed down. Yes, she was falling. Yes, she was about to die. But she was so grateful for her life. It turned her panic to peace. When Emma hit the ground first and her instructor landed on top of her, she was knocked unconscious. And when she opened her eyes and realized that she hadn't died, all she could feel was shock. (laughs) She'd survived. She thought, how did I survive? They'd landed on the edge of a field just a few yards from a concrete road. And the paramedics later told her if they had landed on the road, they would have both definitely been killed. Her mouth was full of blood. Her teeth were all broken into pieces and her whole body was in the most intense pain she'd ever felt. And she knew somehow she needed to get help, and she was worried her instructor was dead. So despite the pain from her injuries, she tried to roll over to get him off the top of her. That was when she discovered she couldn't move anything below her waist, not her legs, toes, or abs. She couldn't even roll over. Now she realized she might be paralyzed and would never walk again. And the thought came to her, maybe it would have been better to have died in the fall. Soon, help arrived, and she was airlifted to the hospital. She had a broken pelvis, shattered teeth, broke her spine in two places, suffered a spinal cord injury, which caused her paralysis, and a few other minor injuries. And during that first week, she was told that she would likely be a paraplegic and not have the use of her legs for the rest of her life. At first, her attitude was dismal. But despite the devastation, she realized she couldn't go back in time. She couldn't choose not to have what happened happen. She had to go through the rehabilitation and pain. There was no way around it. The only way through it was through it. Well, after a month in Switzerland, she flew home, and over the course of the next year, she started moving her feet, then knees, and then legs. Today, she walks with a noticeable limp. She still has little feeling in her legs or pelvic region, and she has no bladder control, and she's often embarrassed because of it. She says she misses having a body that works the way she wants it to work, but she focuses on the positives. The realization of how much she values her life, the first day she walked, which she said is the best day of her life, she thinks about that, and the fact that she now views her body so much differently. It's no longer something that defines her image, but rather a tool for her to live and enjoy the world. In the end, she says, if you're going through a traumatic time and it feels like your world is ending, there is still so much hope. Your worst moment could end up becoming the beginning of the most incredible journey of your life, but only if you let it. Things don't just happen. You have to make them happen. And that's what people tend to forget. You are always responsible for writing the rest of your story. Now, I'm sure all of us, while not part of a skydiving fall, have had falls of our own from time to time. I have. I've broken many of the same bones as Emma. I've made mistakes. I've let myself down. I've let others down and been paralyzed at times mentally and emotionally. 
And I know almost everyone listening to this podcast today has had similar falls in life. We all fall. We all fail. And we're handed difficult circumstances in life. And sometimes they're beyond our control. Just like Emma's fall was beyond her control, and she could do nothing as she was falling but prepare to hit the earth. We've also had hard falls beyond our control. And the truth is, we all make mistakes, sometimes serious mistakes. And when we do, much of the time, we torment ourselves thinking, why did I do that? Or I wish that hadn't happened. This is a normal and reasonable reaction. But what I've learned is this, that Emma's right, that the only way through the recovery is through it. And the sooner we close that chapter in our life, the sooner we can focus on writing the rest of our story. So if you've ever found yourself in a similar situation, or maybe in one way or another find yourself in this type of situation today, how do you move beyond your mistakes or unfortunate circumstances or disappointments in life? Well, here's the first thing. For years, I led a small team that was growing a business internationally, and we made a lot of mistakes. Sometimes we weren't aware of regulatory matters, and we made mistakes in communication and miscalculated other things. Each time when we realized the predicament we were in, and that it would take a lot of work to get out of that predicament, and we had to figure out new solutions or whatever the difficult road was ahead, I would tell the team, we can't change the past or go around our problem. The only way through it is through it. Meaning there's no other path but the one through the pain. And it became a bit of a mantra for us. The only way through it is through it. And when you come to this realization, it relieves you of so much baggage. You can stop blaming yourself or others for the circumstances in which you find yourself. You can stop reliving your decision-making. And you accept the fact that you are where you are. I call this turning the page on a chapter in your life. And this is sometimes very hard to do. And what is most hard is, over the months or years that you've lived unable to turn the page and move on, you've created thought patterns in your head. These are patterns of thinking in which you relive your fall or blame yourself or others and create this circular loop of thinking to which you return in times of stress or quiet or whatever triggers that thinking. And to escape that, and write the rest of your story, you must learn to break with and from these thinking patterns and close that chapter in your life. First, fully accept where you are and what you are. That doesn't mean that it is where you will stay or who you will become, but it is where you are today. You know, one author wrote, one day after my divorce, I was walking the beach when my thoughts wandered to the question, How did my life get so off track? And it was at that moment I realized my life wasn't off track at all. I was exactly where I needed to be at this time in my life. You see, we're all given opportunities in life to grow and discover our inner strength. And divorce is one of those opportunities. Unfortunately, most people don't take advantage of this time. It's a time of change, and it can be scary, but change is a part of life. And the ultimate decision is, how am I going to approach this time of my life? And how will I react to what is happening to me? So to close a chapter and write the rest of your story, to break free of old thought patterns, 
Do you talk to yourself? (laughs) Yes. Every time your brain goes back to the old thought patterns, you interrupt that pattern and replace it with a new thought. Perhaps the thought is, there is nothing I can do about what's happened. I'm not where I want to be, but I can move deliberately in the direction I want to go. Noel Picas Pace is a U.S. skeleton racer who won six world championships and Olympic medals. Now, some people don't know what skeleton racing is. The skeleton is a winter bobsled-like sport in which the person rides a small three-and-a-half-foot sled, known as a skeleton bobsled, headfirst down a bobsled track. Unlike other sliding sports like the bobsled or luge, the skeleton is always a single rider, and the rider sleds on their stomach headfirst down the course. And the course is roughly a mile long. The racers start by running as fast as possible, then jump headfirst onto a small sled, and as they descend down the course, they reach speeds of over 80 miles per hour. The skeleton was permanently added to the Olympics in 2002. Now, Noelle is the youngest of eight children in her family, and she's married to Jansen Pace and lives close to where I currently live now. And Noelle won the World Cup not long after the start of her skeleton career in 2004. And she was the favorite to win the race in the 2006 Olympic Games. However, while training at the skeleton track in Calgary several months before the Olympics, one day she was with several friends and teammates standing near the bobsled track. A four-man bobsled team was finishing a run down the track, failed to break at the finish line, and the bobsled ejected out of the end of the track and hit Noel and teammate Leah Ann Parsley. The bobsled was traveling so fast and was so heavy that when it hit Noelle, it shattered her leg and caused other multiple injuries. When she stood up and looked down at her leg, her shattered bones were sticking out of her leg. Immediately, she thought her Olympic dream was gone. She underwent surgery to repair her broken leg, which included the insertion of a titanium rod in her leg. And as Noelle lay in her hospital bed following surgery, She was feeling sorry for herself. You see, her right leg, the broken leg, is the power leg she uses to push off at the start of a race. And if her leg were to be permanently damaged, she'd never compete at the highest level again. And she kept asking herself, why did this happen to me? Why did the bobsled team not break? And she was dwelling on her circumstances and misfortune over and over again. One day, her surgeon came into the room, and Noelle was in the middle of one of her negative thought patterns and having a sob session. The surgeon did something unexpected. She said to Noelle, why are you crying? And Noelle started to explain her situation in some detail. Unmoved by Noelle's down-on-her-luck story, the surgeon told her, look, you have two choices. You can look back and be sad, or you can get over it and get back in the game. But here's the fact. Your leg is broken, and you can't change that. You now get to choose what's next. As Noelle looks back on that day, she's grateful for the Canadian surgeon who lacked bedside manners, but understood exactly what a competitor like Noelle needed. Right then, she wrote a list. And she entitled the list, The Top 10 Reasons to Break Your Leg Right Before the Olympics. Reason number one, to become one of those miracle stories. Reason number two, you really wanted to see your husband a week earlier after training camp. 
Reason number three, to escape the reporter who kept bothering you in Calgary. Reason number four, to get to fly home on a private jet. And on Noelle's list went. In short, she wrote a list to move her thinking from the negative thought patterns dominating her view to a new chapter, to the new story that she would write for her life. So she stepped boldly into a brave new path to a comeback. And she decided she would come back. There were going to be hard days. There were going to be challenges, but she closed the page on the past. She said, you have two choices, give up or get up. And when you're number one in the world, you get up. She had 114 days to recover and get ready for the Olympics. And she threw herself into rehab. And she would come back in the time needed to compete, but a technicality in terms of qualifying runs, despite the petition filed by the USA, kept her out of the Olympics. Now, she would go on to compete in the 2010 Olympics, but she placed fourth. Then she had a miscarriage. She wanted to have a baby, but she had to move on, so she went on to win a world championship gold in 2013 in Switzerland and finally won an Olympic medal in 2014. In 2015, she gave birth to twins, Peyton and Mackay. Now, Noelle shares many things she learned from her professional career, but one thing that resonates most to me is this. She says there's no handles to steer a skeleton sled. There's no pulleys. There's no steering wheel. You steer by small shifts in your weight. And when you sled, you have to learn how to make those shifts naturally. When asked how to do this, Noel has a simple answer. In sledding and in life, where you look is where you'll go. You see, our lives are shaped by where we look. And if you're looking back, that's where your thought patterns go. And if you're looking forward, that too is where your thoughts and your life will go. So stop looking at the past. Start looking at the present as a blessing, as a great learning opportunity, and as a place where God has placed you for a purpose, and set your view on the future of who you can and will become. You know, we can face our fears and let go of the past and get focused and get thankful for what we've learned and get moving towards the future. I know that's true. So how do you close the chapter of your past and start writing your story? Where you look is where you will go. Set your sights on the person you're becoming and stop looking to the past you or your past life. Aristotle famously said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. I think the same is true of what we repeatedly think. Excellence in thought and in perspective is what you repeatedly think. Excellence does begin with your thinking. So, Make your list of 10 reasons you failed or broken your leg or gotten divorced or failed at your first business attempt. Write them down and close that chapter. Then go on to write the rest of your story. Now, before I go on, let me speak just a second directly to you. You don't have to be an Olympic champion to rise from a falling or failure. You don't have to be an athlete, a proven leader, or anyone of particular fame or fortune. Ordinary people like you and me can do extraordinary things. And you have within you the power to close the past chapters in your life. And you also have the power to rise, to accept where you are and accept who you are and make your life something remarkable. How do I know this? 
because your maker put within you his DNA. You are made of divine dust. You are meant and able to rise to become someone who can do what seems impossible. You can change that habit. You can rise above it. You can build that business. You can do difficult things and become the parent or spouse or friend you want to become. Reach, achieve, and realize the potential you have inside. And it doesn't matter where you've been or how you look or what you've done or if you've fallen or if you've let yourself and other people down. You can choose today to close that chapter and rise in reasonable and doable ways to become the person you choose to become. And I believe that each of us are in the circumstances that we're in for a reason. Most of the time, that reason is to learn something very particular to us, to make us better, to help us become the whole person that we're meant to be. So, see the lesson to be learned, and let's go on to write the rest of your story. Now, there are a few other necessities to closing one chapter and writing a new story in your life. Here's the first. The next chapter that you're writing in your life doesn't need to be something huge or notable. In fact, many people may not even notice. It doesn't need to be notable or noticeable to be noble. So, fix your sight on where you want to go and let small moves, small adjustments in your way of living, steer you in the right direction. You may think that you must do some big, huge thing or huge change. Not so. Just do the next right thing and stay committed to the change. I think sometimes we're waiting for something big to come along to make us change. But my experience is that God does not force us. He patiently invites us to come along. He entices. He puts people in our path. He waits and encourages, but he does not force. He will give us opportunities to learn and choose, but we have to do the choosing and the learning. And I've learned that we often don't choose or learn for that matter, because we're afraid of the effort, or our belief window is wrongly telling us that it's too hard, that we failed in the past, and that we can't. But I've discovered, most of the time, two weeks into a change, if you'll just stick with it, your belief window cracks, and what you soon realize is that you can change. You can endure. You can do what you set out to do and it becomes easier the longer you stick with it. Soon you'll discover your strengths, and the weak things will become strong things in your life. Now, the next key to writing the rest of your story is to recognize what doesn't serve you in your life. And when you find it, fire it, remove it, dump it. What are these things? Well, patterns of behavior or patterns of thought and sometimes relationships and sometimes people. Because anxiety is a part of what creates unhealthy thought patterns in our life. And it comes from many sources. And in our lives today, the news media and social media channels are a source of anxiety. News sources have never been more abundant or more accessible in our life. But journalism also has a famous bad news bias which flows from the need to attract readers through sensational and alarming news. You see, negativity gets more attention. And when you plug your brain into this news feed and consume a diet of it every day, 
you're usually choosing to deluge yourself with negative representations of reality. You know, a well-known 2019 experiment randomly forced people to stop using social media for four weeks before the midterm election. And the study found that those who logged off spent more time hanging out with friends and family, consistent with the idea that social media displaces social behaviors. It was true. And they found that these people had less anxiety and more positive social awareness in their life. So stand at the door of your mind and only let in what is positive and helpful. Remember, where you look is where you'll go each day, and you have a choice of what to put into your mind. So despite the war in Ukraine and COVID ever being present and inflation and the falling stock market and challenges and hurdles, there is so much to be grateful for and optimistic about in the world. And the reality is that most of us have good people and great opportunity and many other positives in our life. Choose those things. Do your part. Write that optimistic chapter for your life because there's never been a better time to be the author of your new life than today. And that is reality. You know, in his book, Good to Great, author Jim Collins discusses the difference between ordinary companies that make the leap to becoming great versus companies that never seem to escape their mediocrity. And he talks about a simple paradox that companies have to conquer. And I believe that paradox is the same for you and me personally. What is it? To have the unique ability to confront the brutal facts while all the time keeping your faith in your ability to rise. You see, it's okay to have fallen from the sky or have a broken leg or made a mistake or didn't start right the first time. But at the same time, you must hold on to your faith in yourself and in the future. And I believe people who can do both simultaneously are those who can close one chapter and write the story of the rest of their life. Last suggestion for writing the new story of your life. Sometimes you need to define the leading character, write the script for that character, and then assume that role. You see, sometimes you have to follow a script. You have to act a bit before the change you're trying to accomplish feels entirely natural to you. Emily was born on February 23, 1983, and she had a rather normal childhood, but beginning at the age of seven, she started to have extreme difficulties speaking. She stuttered. Now, it's estimated that about 1% of the world's population suffers from stuttering to one degree or another, but 5% of children go through a period of stuttering. When Emily entered junior high school, a teacher took a special interest in helping her to overcome her ailment, and the teacher encouraged her to try out for a school play. And this was totally unappealing, given the fact that she had such a hard time communicating. But the teacher kept pressing the issue and suggested that she practice using character voices. You see, somehow the teacher knew that by shifting to a character's voice, Emily's stuttering could be overcome. And sure enough, when Emily used a character voice rather than her own, she was able to avoid stuttering. And soon her voice skills that she used when she was portraying a character soon became her own voice, and she went on to speak exceptionally well. 
Nowadays, Emily Blunt has starring roles in movies like The Devil Wears Prada, Edge of Tomorrow, Into the Woods, Snow White and the Huntsman, A Quiet Place, and many other movies. Just like Emily, as you begin to move to a new chapter in your life, you may have to write the script for how you will act, think, and live. And as you follow this script and act in that character, soon it will become yours. It will become you. You know, the rest of the story was a daily radio program originally hosted by the late Paul Harvey. And Harvey started making it part of his news broadcast during World War II, but made it famous on the ABC radio networks beginning in 1976. And in his broadcast, Harvey would tell a story without revealing the identity of the subject. And then the rest of the story would be the surprise or twist, which he would reveal at the end. And the broadcast always concluded with the tagline, and now you know the rest of the story. So as we end today, I say the same to you. Close that chapter in your life and come to know the rest of your story. If you've fallen, be grateful for what you've learned. Accept where you are and move forward. If like Noel, your life has crashed your plans and left you broken, wondering how you can reach your goals, Remember, there is nothing you can do about your crash, about where you are, but you can choose to do something about the future. Remember, where you look, you will go. So keep your faith. So as you write your story, script that character and then assume that leading role in your narrative and watch. You will leave the past behind, learn from it, be grateful for it, and walk boldly in the direction of your divine destiny. Most of all, thanks for being here today. And don't forget to share this podcast with a friend and join us next week for another podcast as we learn to open our eyes to who and what we can become.